a couple of things. Uh, we'll turn our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4 and get there in a little while, but um, just wanted to encourage our church just to support those uh, meetings, evangelistic meetings. Um, I was speaking to uh, Brother Mansour in regard to just the, the calendar this year and we're just talking about how the, we have different conferences all around us often happen, but you know, not, not too many these days where we have a specific um, agenda of just preaching the gospel. And so I think that's, that's a great initiative that they're taking, and certainly as, as their, um, their friends, we want to support that. So I encourage you to come along to that, 7 o'clock. Uh, the preachers are going to be Brother Hustler, a good friend of ours, Brother Chris Hustler, and, and a great friend of ours, Pastor Wayne Shemish as well. And so they'll be preaching those nights. And actually the Sunday after on the 11th, uh, they'll be preaching for us. So on, in the morning, we'll have Brother Hustler and then Brother Shemish in the evening. So we'll, be, uh, we'll just have a blessed week that week. Looking forward to that. But I appreciate you supporting that. And then, of course, um, as many of you know, uh, there's a group of us going over to Manila this week uh, for the Spiritual Leadership Conference there, focus on the 1040 window and the need for missions uh, and missionaries heading into that area. And so please be praying for us. Um, I'll be away for the next, um, next two Sundays, just uh, ministering there. But um, pray for the conference next week. Uh, pray for Brother Naranjan as he, he leads that, and uh, pray for those who are going. And uh, just as a, out of curiosity, who is going? Any, who's going? Just raise your hand, you're going. Okay, good. All right, a bunch of you. I'll see you there, okay? So, uh, but yesterday, we've had a good weekend already. Um, just had a, a great time on, on Friday night with our couple's night out. For those of you who went, just a great time of fellowship, food, and um, just getting to know uh, each other. But uh, I think it's just a great, great thing to encourage our marriages and encourage just, uh, just, uh, just spending time together in that way. But then also yesterday, just a great time with the, the ladies. And I was actually the, the, the guest speaker yesterday for the ladies' meeting. All right. And, um, so I was here. We, we had a good time, I think. And, um, and my, I was here with Malachi. Uh, most of you know my wife's sick, so I took Malachi just to help her out, and um, so uh, Malachi was here with me, and he, he said, so what are you doing here? And, and I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm preaching. He said, but isn't it, isn't it a ladies' meeting? I said, yeah, and this is kids' logic here, and he goes, does that make you a lady preacher? <laughs> it's my son for you, all right, but, uh, but it's, uh, no, I'm not a lady preacher, all right, just, uh, I was a guest speaker yesterday, okay, so, uh, but glad to be here, glad to, to um, have uh, enough health to just give you the Word of God this morning, but uh, we're going to read here in the book of Nehemiah a couple of years ago, I think was, uh, our theme was from this book, but um, Nehemiah chapter 4, and uh, there's going to be a pattern here that we're going to recognize in Scripture um, that, that is played out in the, the life of Nehemiah. And here the faithful remnant that went to rebuild the wall of, at Jerusalem. Uh, you know the history of the, of the time here, the, the city had come under disrepair after it was besieged and the people were taken captive. And here now as we read this, it's about 150 years later where, uh, that they've been taken from ex, uh, into exile and now they're returning to ruins, ruins of what was once the epicenter of worship to God and and Nehemiah had taken this remnant back to build the wall. And if you know a little bit about Nehemiah, he was a man with a deep prayer life. Okay, he was a man who gave up a prominent position in the king's court as a cupbearer 
uh, to go and do the unenviable job of rebuilding the wall. And so here he was, a, a man who was unmoved uh, by this task, and the opposition, of course, has, had ensued. And we see here in, in verse, um, verse 7, But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, the notice is then they were very wroth. And mark it down, church. Whenever you want to do something for God, and whenever you want to advance the work of God, whenever you want to move forward in your faith, whenever you want to build something that's significant for the Lord Jesus Christ, then His enemies are going to be aroused, and His enemies are going to come after you. And as a church, we, we ought to have that, that mindset and not be surprised by that. But here we see that they were very wroth, and, and conspired in verse 8, all of them, to, together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. And, and one of the, one of the uh, greatest things that our enemy does against the work of God is to try to hinder the work of God. And, and so we see here then a predicament that Nehemiah found himself in. They were about halfway building the wall. They had just, uh, uh, the, the, the Bible tells us that the, the people had a mind to work and so they were motivated to do this thing, acknowledging the need, acknowledging the, the, the very importance of the situation that they were in. And yet we see here opposition had risen up. And then notice in verse 9 the response by Nehemiah and the people. And nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And because of the, the, the situation that they found themselves in, in a place where they found opposition, in a place where they were trying to progress the work of God, and yet opposition was coming, their response was to pray. Their response was to come to God in prayer for their protection and, their, and for their furthering. And, you know, if you're going to live in a way that progresses the work of God and the worship of God, then you're going to get the attention of enemy spiritual forces. And yet, the way that we're going to fight is we're going to fight back on our knees in prayer. We see that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He began his work in prayer. But we see that in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, he continued here, as we read in verse 9, his work in prayer. And later on, as he comes back after a time away from the work, and he sees the, the, the ruin now, not of the, just the walls, of the people, he comes back and he then continues, even at the end of his life, the work in prayer. And Nehemiah was such a leader that he infused prayer to the culture of those rebuilding the wall. He emphasized it. He understood the, the, the very need of it. And it comes as no surprise then that the strategy that Nehemiah employed when the work and the workers came under threat of those who opposed them was this thing of prayer. And I hope that, that we would have the mindset uh, that as we do the work of God, that, that when those, those times come, when the spiritual forces come to hinder the work, that, that our response will be a response of prayer. See, what we see here is just one example of a pattern we see in Scripture. It's the power of protective prayer. See, prayer has a function of drawing God's attention to our need for protection in times of spiritual danger. And here we see that Nehemiah calls for prayer as he sent uh, people to take watch over the people. And, and you understand that they were in a, in a very precarious situation there. 
they, they, the wall was really there to fortify against the enemies, and yet it was the wall they were building. It was the, the very thing that, that was meant to protect them uh, from a physical sense was the thing that they were building, and so they were greatly under threat. This wasn't just empty threats really by these men. They could have really done some damage. And so here they see they are in a, in a very needy position. And so he sets a watch, and, and there's, a, I think, a very powerful picture that we can see here about prayer. There's power and protection we have when we pray. And, and I think as, as believers, we understand the power of prayer. But, you know, we ought to use prayer as well as, as, as a function of asking God for things, asking God for His guidance, asking God for His, His enabling. As well as that, we ought to use the function of prayer to protect. The function of prayer to, to watch over us, for God to watch over us. So think about the verse. In Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. And I began to think about that. And, and you know, the, uh, often I, I, I think about that in relation to my, uh, to my position and my calling as a pastor. And, and you know, the way I need to watch over your souls is not only to see and observe the direction of your lives, but to be on my knees in prayer for you. And, and, and church, listen. I can't think of no greater burden in my own life than to watch over you in prayer. And I think about the Apostle Paul who so often reiterated to the church in days and evenings, watching over in, with tears at times, but it was always, always in this matter of prayer. And I can think of numerous occasions where God will prompt me in the middle of my sleep to just get up and pray for one of you. And I just want to say, church, that you're dear to my heart and that God has placed that. But listen, I need to watch over your souls in this matter of prayer, protection. And, you know, the Bible says they that have rule over you. And listen, you, you young people, you have parents, I hope, that watch over you in prayer. I know one of the most powerful uh, images that I have in my mind is often getting up uh, a little bit later than my parents and seeing them and hearing them uttering my name in prayer in preparation for my day. It, it was in just in their mindset to watch over me in prayer. It was, they were praying a protective prayer over me. And I think about, uh, I think about Samuel who in 1 Samuel 12, 23, after he had confronted uh, the nation there and they had, they had uh, re recognized that their need to return to God, here he says, moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. And, and you know, our calling as, as men and ladies of, of God, men and ladies who have leadership in different areas of our lives, you know what God's calling us is, into a ministry of protective prayer of those that are underneath us, those that we have been given a stewardship over. I hope that, that those of you who are in positions of leadership in our church, in your different ministry, in the music ministry, in the young adult ministry, in the youth ministry, in the small groups, in the nursing homes, in the outreach, in the, in the nurseries around, in, the, in our children's ministry, all of those different ministries, I hope that you have the mindset that you are to watch over and that it would be a sin for you to cease to pray and to be protective in your prayer for those that are underneath you. I hope that we have a mindset as a church that as we go about and as we fellowship, as we journey this life together as a local New Testament church, 
that we would, have a, we would have a heart to watch in prayer, to look out for one another, to ask for protective prayer. I hope that we have the mindset as we have one of our missionaries here, that as we observe the, the prayer letters and we observe their names listed on our prayer bulletins every Wednesday, we see the map and the prayer, uh, the prayer cards at the back, that we would just have the mentality and the practice of praying for them a protective prayer as they do the work of the ministry. You know, so often we just sort of look at prayer as just a, a means of asking God for, for gain or, or, or just things for us. But listen, part of the function of prayer is just for protection. And, and you know, you go through over and over again, David prayed, deliver me, keep me, keep watch. And all of these prayers are prayers of protection, sometimes for himself, but so often for others. And, and I want to just give you a thought here this morning about this thing of protective prayer. And, and I hope that we would just be encouraged this morning uh, to have that mindset as we go into times of prayer. And, and, and prayer really, it, it ought to be the pressing response when we observe that, that there's a need. When we observe that there's danger. See, Nehemiah's response to trouble was to call his people to prayer. You know, I, 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 don't, usually, I don't usually like to get a text at 2 a.m. in the morning. Anyone else with me? I don't usually like to get a call, but if I was to get a call, and if I was to get a text at 2 a.m. in the morning, the only thing I'd wake up for is if someone was asking for prayer. If someone was just... a and it could be someone here, it could be someone overseas, it could be someone with, with a need, but, but maybe some, someone is going, un, undergoing some, some trouble in their life. And, you know, our response ought to be, when trouble comes, to call ourselves and to call others sometimes to this matter of prayer. See, our response to troubles is really an indication of what we trust in. Uh, really, if you think about Nehemiah, he could have asked for the king's protection. You think about the parallel book to this in Ezra, when they were at the river Ahava, they could have, remember Ezra's mentality? He was ashamed to ask of the king. And so they fasted and they prayed. And understand that how you respond to troubles or these opposition in your life really is an indication of what we trust. And I was reading the book of Proverbs this morning, chapter 18, and now I know it's a great habit at church. I just want to encourage you. I was encouraging our young people that, that read the proverb of the day. And I was reading Proverbs chapter 18 this morning where the, the Bible says in verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. And by the way, can I remind you this morning, church, that we don't, we don't pray in any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. And when we come to prayer, really what we're doing is we're resorting. We're responding by resorting to the one who will give us safety. See, the horse is prepared for the day of, the ba of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And we can come to God. Our response when opposition comes, our response when spiritual attack happens, our response when trouble comes, it ought to be that pressing need of prayer. Prayer in the name of Jesus. And notice the contrast then in, in verse 11. He says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. And as a high wall in his own conceit. Notice the contrast. He's saying there that, 
that, that the name of the Lord is, that's your safe haven, it's prayer. But there's others that would rely on their own resources. And the way you respond to troubles, how you respond to spiritual attack is an indication of what you really trust in. I think Corey Ten Boom was the one who said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And you know, sometimes our last desperate attempt to get out of trouble, our last desperate attempt to come out of spiritual attack unscathed is to simply throw ourselves in prayer. But really, that should have been your steering wheel. Really, that should have been your first response. And you think about even the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, who's our, our greatest example. Our Lord Jesus, who was very God and very man. And yet, in His darkest hour, in His darkest hour, He prayed. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. And so even the Lord Jesus in that hour where the, the cup of, the, of His mission, the thing that He was to do, the death that He was to bear on the cross, even in that time as He thought about that, in His darkest hour, even He came to a response of prayer. See, our greatest offense is defense when it comes to trouble. We've got to resort to the protection of prayer. And often, our response to trouble is to run to the flesh in panic and fear. You know, I, I know that, um, that there's been times where I've needed to stay calm. I, I've needed to have a, a, a peaceful mind. I, I remember one time we were uh, over at Narajinji Reserve. Now, I grew up in Plumpton, grew up in Duneside area. And, and Narajinji Reserve back then, it's nice now. Okay, but back, back when I was growing up, it was not a nice place. It had, it had, it had a it had a reputation for a burial ground, okay? And it's cleaned up now, I assure you it is. You can, if you go over there, please, please don't say, oh, I can't go there now. But I remember we were over there at a, family's, um, a family birthday party. I think it was my, my uncles or someone, and we were just heading over there. We were having a, a barbecue, and we had, we had the two kids back then. Um, so we had Vicky and Malachi. And so Malachi was just playing, and, and um, at that point, we, the food was ready, we were, we were about to pray, so we prayed. And then we ate, as, uh, as good Baptists do, we ate a lot. But in the process of that, we lost sight of, of Malachi. And we started looking, and, and after a while, we, we, we realized he wasn't in sight. Now, if you know my wife, if you know any mother, boy, the, the heart was racing. But, you know, I needed to stay calm, and... And so I started to walk around, and I started to just think about where he would be. And, and the, the, the scary part was this. Right where we were, there was a little pond. But it wasn't just a pond. It was deep enough that, that my son, who couldn't swim, could easily have drowned there if he walked over there. So that's in the back of my mind, and I'm trying to stay calm. And, and, and at that point, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 just came to mind. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And so I decided to pray, Lord, help. Lord, I don't know. And, and this had been half an hour. It had been an hour we were walking around. And there's times where you just need to stay calm. There's times where, where a little bit of your perspective can become skewed if you panic and you resort to your flesh. 
And at that time, I was just, you know, trying to, I, I didn't want to panic my wife. You know how it is, you're, you're there, if you're both panicking, it's going to be the end of the world, okay? All of the worst conclusions already have come through your mind. And I'm trying to stay calm, and, and usually in the, in the pair that's me, I'm the one that's trying to stay calm. And eventually, as, we were, as, as, as the hour passed, we were sitting back, we went back, we decided we'll meet back and we'll, we'll just regroup, where did we cover? And we went, went back and then there they were walking across the road, they had gone with their cousins without telling us. And they were just at the playground across the way. And, and you know, in, in times, our response to trouble is to panic in the flesh, to resort to our own means. And yet in times like that, you know, the thing that's going to calm you is this matter of prayer and responding in prayer. The thing that's going to help your perspective, the thing that's going to help you not end up making wrong choices, not end up in, 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 as a victim of the warfare, is by staying calm. I think about another example. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And notice verse, uh, verse 15. And here the, the king of, uh, of Syria was warring against Israel. They had surrounded Elisha where he was with his, uh, his uh, servant who was a young man. And this young man wakes up. And imagine waking up to this. Notice, uh, notice here, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And notice this, and his servant said unto him, Alas, alas, my master, how shall we do? He's saying, what are we going to do? There's, there's an army. We woke up, there was no army. We, woke up, uh, we went to sleep, there was no army. When we woke up, there's a huge army. And there's, there's nothing we can do. What are we going to do? And notice, notice Elisha. He answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And notice Elisha's response. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You see, at that time, it would have paid dividends for the young man to, to, to respond in prayer. Why? Because it would have given him a better perspective of the situation. It would have given him a better perspective of the, of the reality of the spiritual warfare that was happening right there in front of him. And listen, many times, I know, I know myself, many times I haven't responded in prayer and, and I've opened myself up. I've opened myself up to the attacks, to those things that trouble me. And, and prayer is a pressing response. But then notice... Here that Nehemiah, Nehemiah then understood that the attacks could have come at any time. And so he instructed here, he says in, in verse 9 again, says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And, and here we see that pr prayer is a precautionary resistance. We see it's a pressing response first, but it's a precautionary resistance in this sense you understand, church, that we are in spiritual warfare all the time. Does everyone get that this morning? It's not like, you know, it's not like the battle rests. It doesn't. If you're a Christian here this morning, 
then, then make no doubt about it, you're in warfare right now. We're called soldiers, by the way. We're, we're, we're called to war a good warfare, by the way. And so, so the attacks can happen at any moment. And Nehemiah understood that in this situation, as he was confronted with opposition, he needed to set a watch day and night. And, and we, ought to, we ought to have this mindset that we have to pray without ceasing. Why? Because, because the attack can happen anytime. Because opposition can happen anytime. We ought to pray with this mentality just in case. It's a precautionary resistance. See, we know that trouble is around every corner and that spiritual opposition can come when we least expect it. I think about the MO of our, of our great enemy, the, the devil in 1 Peter 5.8. The Bible exhorts us, be sober. That means be, be awake to it, be alert. It says be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, and by the way, he's not leashed in that sense. As a roaring lion walketh about, seeketh whom he may devour. And so the, just, just picture that, that the, the, the thing that God is trying to tell you about your enemy, he's walking about and you don't know when he's going to strike. You don't know when that opposition will come. And so we've got to be vigilant in our prayer. See, spiritual opposition is, is stalking us for an opening to get in there and, and make destruction and make warfare and make victimization of your life. And we better be vigilant. We better be sober and vigilant about our, this prayer. And its prayer is really this. It's precautionary resistance. See, the Lord Jesus, even with His disciples, He exhorts them in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you know the, the story, I think, you know that later on he finds his disciples. They were asleep. They, they had let the God down. And oftentimes we can be like the disciples who couldn't stay up to pray. And we at times, I, I believe, are asleep when we ought to be praying and the battle is at its hottest. I think sometimes God does prompt us to get up and pray and we would not because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and I'm preaching here this, this morning about this matter of prayer. And if you're honest with me this morning, you know that prayer is one of the most, it's one of the things that we resist the most in our flesh, don't we? Prayer doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't roll out of our tongue. Prayer doesn't just come naturally for us. We've got we to gotta work at it. It's something that our flesh resists. And, and, and church, listen. I'm just of the mind that we've got to be precautionary in our resistance through prayer. We just don't know. We've got to be watching. We've got to be vigilant. And I think about that great story about David Livingston. And, and you know, he, the, the, the great missionary there in Africa, the great exploits that he did for God. And I, I remember reading this story uh, many years ago about a, a certain man in his missionary society uh, back in Scotland where he just felt prompted, this man did, in the middle of the night to pray for Mr. David Livingston. And he got prompted to pray, so he got up and, and you know, there wasn't text messaging back then. Uh, there was no, there was no uh, instant messaging back then. There was no email sent. It was just the Spirit of God prompting a man who was sensitive to the Spirit of God 
to get up and pray. And then he started to walk to the other members of that society and, and started to knock on the door and they said, uh, men, I just feel pressed to pray for Dr. Livingston right now. And, and, and unbeknownst to them, that night as they prayed, all, uh, all of them, I believe in my in recollection, there was 14 of them praying. But right there as they were praying, unbeknownst to them, David Livingston was in a hut in an area where there were great savages who were eaters of man's flesh. And right there, a, a, a village, uh, in that village, he was sleeping in his hut. And evidently, there was a, a man from that village who was ready to kill and attack David Livingston. Later on, he found out as he spoke to that man, and David Livingston led that man to the Lord. He told David Livingston this, you know, I was going to kill you one day. But at that time, I was about to attack you. I saw four, 14 images around you, kneeling around you. And look, believe it or not, it's a story. But the, the, the illustration is this. These men were sensitive enough to pray when the hour of the, uh, the hardest part of the battle was right there for that man. He needed them to pray right at that moment. And we ought to be sensitive and we ought to be precautionary in our resistance in prayer. And I think about uh, the mentality here that Job had. Look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, just a couple of, of pages over. Job chapter 1. And notice here the, the practice of Job who was a, who was a man who eschewed evil. It was a man when, when God was challenged about, he, he looked at Job, he had, he had put a hedge about him. We'll see here in verse, uh, verse 10 in a bit. But in verse 5, here notice the practice of Job. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. And he's speaking here about his children. And rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be, notice that phrase, it may be, that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now what, what Job was doing here was this, he was, he was praying, he was offering sacrifices, but he was communing with God on behalf of his children, on behalf of those that God had entrusted him with. And I can't help but, but think about the great responsibility that we each have to be, to be precautionary in our resistance in prayer for those that God has given us. And I think about Job who prayed in precautionary tones. It may be. It may be. That was his attitude. It may be. He didn't know. He wasn't saying they were. But it may be that they were going to encounter a situation there. And I wonder how many of us this morning as parents, how many of us as, 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 as friends, how many of us as sons and daughters have that mentality for those of us, for those that God has surrounded us with. It may be that they're going to go through an hour of temptation. It may be that they're going to have a critical decision today. It may be that, that, that they're going to make such a pivotal decision today. It may be that there's going to be some spiritual attack on this person today. But Lord, I don't know, but you know. 
and I better pray. Yeah, I can't, again, I can't think of the, the amount of times I thank God for my parents who, who in the mornings I knew were praying and I was heading into a day full of temptation, full of testing, and full of pitfalls. And I just believe this, it was their prayers being answered that kept me from wrecking my life. I, I can't think of the amount of times where, where I was struggling in, in preaching maybe elsewhere where I just sense the, the just, just God just come and intervene and, and I later go back home and my wife would tell me, you know, I was praying for you at this time. I thank God for that. And I remember one particular time, it was 2009. And some of you young people, you were there, it was youth camp. It was the only time we ever had done it in winter. Trailblazers youth camp, I still remember the theme. And I remember there, we were... We were, we, it was my first camp where I, uh, I, was, I was running the whole show, so to speak. Pastor Tom wasn't there. He had gone to, to the U.S. He, he wasn't around. Uh, it was a winter camp. I had been just married six months. That's the reason why we moved it, by the way. It wasn't any spiritual decision. I got married in summer, so we moved it. All right, so we moved it, and I remember st- coming into the, the week, and I was looking forward to it. We had, we had, had a couple of great plans. But that first day, it was just awful. Um, uh, during this, the evening service, we had, we had uh, Brother Fraser Young preach, and he preached a great message, and only one young person went to the front. And, and he stayed there, and I, I was a bit hopeful, like, oh, the Lord's really working on his heart. And I came up to him, and I said, uh, you know, mate, are, are you doing okay? How are you doing? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just studying for the quiz tomorrow. It was for a game he was there, and... It wasn't even for, for, uh, for spiritual reasons. And, and we knew back then we were in a battle. We were in a fight. And, and that night, I remember with Brother Tossel, we, we sat up all night until we fell asleep and we just prayed and asked God, please change it around. And, and later on that day, we, you, you know, the, for those of you who were there, it was just like God had just turned night into day. And, and, and it was tears that day and God broke open some things. There were confession of sin. There was confession of, of, of broken relationships, young people getting right. We did away with the program. That's good sometimes, isn't it? We did away with the program, and we just testified of what God was doing in our hearts. It wasn't even, we, we had a devotion that morning. And we had prayed, that we gathered the leaders that morning and said, look, we're just going to split up into our different churches. And we just prayed that morning, and then God just broke, broke things open. And, and you know what it was? It just, it may be. And then I went home and I, I, I asked my wife how her week was. She was a couple of months uh, pregnant at that time. And she said, you know, the other night I couldn't sleep. You know, this, I just was getting pains. And, and so I just decided I just would pray for camp. And this was around the, the same time we had been praying. But I didn't know it. But, but you know what it was? She didn't know. I, I wasn't calling her every day going, it's awful. No one's responding. Everyone's got a bad spirit. You know, they don't even think the games are funny, you know, and all of that. I wasn't talking to her about that. I just, I was just, we just prayed, and she was praying at the same time. And I'm glad for that, but it, it may be. And, and parents, listen, uh, I was speaking to your young people this morning about the, the decisions that they need to make and, and having, forming good foundations to make good decisions. And the reality is this, we all make decisions every day that affect our lives. We all do that. 
And so how about this? It may be that someone's going to make a decision that day that will cost them a lifetime. And it ought to be that we have this mentality. It may be that we ought to pray just in case. Just in case. I wonder if there's some parents here this, this, um, this, this morning who would just admit that they've just been, they've been, uh, they've been uh, ne- negligent in their prayer, negligent in their prayer for, the, uh, for those young people, for those young ones that, that God has entrusted them with. I wonder if there'd be some ministry leaders here this morning who, who, uh, who go through the motions at, at times and, and forget to pray for those that they're ministering with and ministering to. I wonder if we would just admit this morning that we're not precautionary enough in this matter of prayer. I think about even the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 22, if you quickly turn there. Luke chapter 22. And notice verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And notice the Lord Jesus in verse 32. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Now, we know later on, we know later on that Peter denies Christ, right? So, so, so Jesus is praying this with that in mind, understanding he's going to need to recover. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And then Peter's response of pride, he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And you understand that, that the Lord Jesus, even he had the mentality of praying for his disciples. Prayers of protection. Prayers of, of precaution. It was precautionary resistance. He's saying, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And there's going to be times, there's going to be times where, where the difference between you recovering you and your loved ones overcoming is you coming to God in prayer. It may be. And, and church, listen, sometimes one of the thing, greatest prayers we ought to pray is, Lord, protect me from me. Protect me from my own selfish ways. Protect me from my own pride. Protect me from my own foolishness. Protect me from following after my own wisdom or lack thereof. Protect me from me. And sometimes that's the prayer that we need to make. Maybe it ought to be that we go to the, uh, before we get into our day, that we just ask God, Lord, protect me just in case. Just in case I come to a place where I'm just tempted. And don't look around like you're not. Because we all are. It ought to be that we have this mentality just in case. It's that day that the lion leaps. That so and so, that myself, we would respond. We would, our faith fail not. And so it was precautionary. See, see we, can, we can, we ought to pray knowing our capacity to fail in precautionary tones. And your prayer that day could be the difference between someone overcoming and someone falling. 
And Nehemiah understood the attack could come at any moment. And so he asked the people to pray with vigilance. And then lastly, we see that prayer really is the prevailing practice. And ultimately, Nehemiah recognized the power of prayer to prevail over the opposition. And church this morning, you might be worried. You might be thinking, well, pastor, you keep talking about like spiritual attacks. You keep talking about opposition. Is that really true? No, it's true. But listen, God has given you the equipment to overcome, right? He's given you the thing that will help you in those moments. And ultimately, our greatest weapon is also our greatest protection. I think about the verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty, though, through the God to the pulling down of strongholds. And listen, our warfare is not to be fought in flesh and blood. But it's to be fought in the spirit. And we ought to come in this place of prayer. It's the prevailing practice. If we would prevail in prayer, we would be able to prevail above all. I think of what Spurgeon said. Who, he said, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. And you know, prayer isn't mighty in itself. Prayer is mighty because we're praying to an almighty God. We have, when we pray, we're not going to our own resources we pray with the, all of the resources of heaven at a breath away. Prayer prevails. He said also that prayer is, is doubt's destroyer, ruins remedy, the antidote to all anxieties. And I hope that this morning you would, you would recognize that prayer ultimately is a prevailing practice. That, that if, you would, if you would approach the day of battles, if you would approach those times when, the, when there's attacks on you, there's opposition in this matter of prayer, then, then God will honor that and you will prevail. You will prevail. There's been many times where, where I could just trace it back to this matter of prayer. There's been many decisions I've made where, where naturally in my own ambition, in my own goal-seeking, I would not have made those. But it was this matter of prayer that changed my mind. Prayer protected. And and church, I just want to exhort you this morning. Make prayer a prevailing practice in your life. Make prayer the the, the prayer of protection. Make it it a, a habit daily in every moment. So knowing all of this, should we fail to spend our time in prayer? If through, if through this we find our greatest protection realized, can, can, we, can we even bear to make great decisions without prayer? If through this we see the protection that we need daily, can we allow our children out the door without praying for them? Can we, can we pass any moment of thought of one another without praying for one another? Uh, could we truly ask anything more for this, this preacher and this church more than the protection of our Heavenly Father through prayer? Can we just go through life with this knowledge that prayer protects? See, without imploring heaven for protective grace, what do we have? Nehemiah, when he was faced with opposition, 
it was said about them this, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, I, I know that many times, and all glory to you, Lord, it was just someone praying. It was a group praying. It was others praying to you, Almighty God, that, that helped me and saved me from troubles. And Father, thank you that in times where opposition is real, that we have the very resources of heaven only a breath away in this matter of prayer. So I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, we acknowledge that we're needy. Lord, we acknowledge that, that we lack. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to have this mindset, this attitude of protective prayer. Lord, help our children. Lord, help, help each member. Lord, it could be today where there's spiritual attack. It could be today where major decisions are coming about and, and we don't even know it. And it may be today, Lord, that we need you, Lord. So please protect. Please guide. Please help. And Lord, I pray that you just would do a work in our hearts this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play. I wonder, firstly, this morning, if you're saved. See, one of the greatest things that we can do is to pray for those who are lost and without Christ. And then in faith, witness and help them understand their need for a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and if you were just honest and real, you would say, Pastor, if, if I were to die today, I wouldn't know where I would be going. I wouldn't know. Is there anyone here this morning? I'm not sure, but I'd like to know. See, the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here this, this morning, all of us, we face eternity. But we'll end up in one of two places. We'll either be in heaven with Christ or in hell. Suffering reproach for that decision that we didn't make to trust Christ. Is there anyone this morning? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure. Just with an uplifted hand, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I'll just pray for you. Anyone this morning? Just with an uplifted hand. All right then, church. And you're a Christian. I wonder, Christian, I wonder if you've been mindful of the warfare around you. I wonder if you've been realizing that there's times where the battle's hot, where you're needy, and you respond in prayer. I wonder if you're here this morning and just say, Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for me. I need, I need some prayer protection this week. Just pray for me. Just lift your hand up. I see that hand. See those hands. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you. Many hands. Thank you. See those hands. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, here's my hand. I just want to commit to just being more prayerful, coming to a place of responding in prayer, of, of being precautionary in my prayer and prevailing in prayer. Just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, I, I want to commit to that. I see those hands. Thank you. I see those hands. I want to commit to that. Pastor, I, 
I want to grow in my prayer life. I see that hand. Thank you. See those hands. If you lifted your hand, just as the piano plays while everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no, one looks, no one's looking around, why don't you come to the place here at the altar? Why don't we pray today? Maybe it's been a while since you prayed for loved ones. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed for protection for yourself. Maybe that's today. If you raise your hand, why don't you come to this altar this morning? If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, why don't you come as the piano plays? Why don't you spend some time in protective prayer today? Why don't you spend some time in, in protective prayer for the loved ones that you have? Maybe God's brought someone to mind. Maybe it's, it's, it's a situation in your life and it's critical and you just need to pray. Why don't you come? Why don't you come?